Live from the Bacon Wire headquarters on Zoom, it is the Hezzy Hey Podcast with your host, Hot Take Empire. What is going on, guys? This is the Hezzy Hey Podcast. Uh, we got Glizzy here, we got Takes, we got Trevor, and you know it's me, HTE. Uh, boys, how we doing? Good, how are you? Living the dream. Day in, day out. Let's get straight off the business, straight off the rip. Um, we're going to start here with something we talked about a little earlier, kind of give a little briefer for some people out there listening. We're each going to choose three players right now, college prospects, players that could potentially get drafted by the Pistons next year, sort of a way to pick three guys each that we can sort of ride along with, um, enjoy their successes, take pain in their pain, and um, start off with that. Basically our own mock draft before the real draft. Uh, so with that being said, I think Glizzy, you are starting first, right? Yeah. Okay, you're on the board. So with the first pick in the Hezzy Hay mock draft, Glizzy selects Cade Cunningham, a uh, combo guard out of Oklahoma State. Okay, I think that's a that's, that's a great pick. Anyone surprised, shocked, pissed? No, about that? I mean that that's this draft, Zion. That's this draft's. John Wall, we all knew he was going number one. So I'd like to point out that Glizzy tried to trade the pick. Can I still take him up on that? <laughs> that's what it sounds like it sounds like there was a little trade bargain there. A lot of capital on the board. Leading it, I was like, that's that's the slam dunk right there. <laughs> yeah. Has so, anyone gotten a chance to watch him this year yet? I watched the first game against Texas Arlington. He was pretty good. Um, they're, they were bad. They were bad. Like they struggled in that game, but they ended up winning. I didn't realize he had a three point shot because everyone gave him the comp to Simmons and Simmons is his shot is broke. So, but I mean, yeah. Yeah. He played and he has a shot. I think the Simmons, um, comparison, which was kind of universally played, it almost feels like it doesn't do him justice. He he has a unique game. I think I watched him play yesterday or the day before days were just clumping together. But, he, I mean, he has inside game. He has moves, post moves. He can shoot a three, dribble, transition. It's I, – I don't even know what the comparison is going to be for him when he comes out. But, um, I mean, that's why you take him number one, right? Well, 24-7 did have his shooting as a three. So, oh, even they were underrated. That's cool. Yeah. Him as a, I mean, he's a six. Is he six five and shooting six, guard? Six eight. He's listed is at it? six eight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like twenty four seven needs to update their website because they have his shooting at three. He's listed as six five, but his versatility is what I like the most. You know, he's just an athletic. He's a good defender, and he would be a great fit and definitely an upgrade for Luke Gennard's empty position next year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're six eight, you can play a ton of positions. So, um, yeah, okay. So, Glizzy starts off with Cade. Um, I'll take two here. I'm going to go with uh, Kobe Light, uh, Jalen Green, G Leaguer. So, um, I think last week we sort of established that Hezzy Hay is a Jalen Green standing podcast. Yes. We, I mean, he's he's got it all going for him. And he would have gone one last year's draft. I, I really think there's probably – five or six guys that would have gone one. He's playing G League right now. A lot of the stuff I hear about him is his pop explosiveness. Uh, he can create his own shot, something a lot of Pistons can't do right now. And he's still effective from the perimeter. So um, if you can get a shooting guard who can score in that pace, that volume, that a James Harden can, that a Clay Thompson can, maybe he doesn't need to, but can, one of those players, it feels like when you have your top players, a shooting guard on your team, you usually have a little more success because it's usually an elite player. And if you can really name off more than five elite shooting guards, I'd love for you to find out. But I think Jalen Green will be one, and uh, that's why I take him too. Good pick. Thank you. What do we got three here, then? So you guys are still on the board, so I'm happy. Okay. What were we thinking? Am, am I at three? You're three. Oh. I'm going to go with Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. Ooh. 
Um, he's going to be playing the point forward position for Florida State this year. They don't really have a true point guard, but he's this, again, 6'8", long, athletic, has a great mid-range shot. And I just expect him to be a facilitator. You know, Killian and Hayes can also play a little bit off the ball if need to. So I really like Scotty Barnes, and um, hopefully Pistons can uh, scoop him up next year. I like that. Florida State has a good coach. They know what they're doing, too. So you're going to get a good guy that's well-disciplined. Florida State guys, they're all the same mold. They're all long, athletic, inner, you know, non-positionalist. Positionless basketball is what Florida State plays. I really enjoy watching them. Last year, I think they could have been a Final Four team. They got robbed. But, again, I really like Scotty, and I think he would look good in the Motor City. Definitely, yeah. Trevor, what are we thinking? Okay, so I didn't think he would be here, but I'm going to go with BJ Boston Ooh. with my pick. Um, elite wing player. He's going to 24-7 has it. This comp is Brown. He can score at all three levels. Um, and he is a player that I think would play really well off of uh, Killian Hayes and both Se- and Sekou Dubuya. So with that pick, I'm going to take BJ Boston. And then with my second pick, it's a homer pick, but Franz, Franz Wagner, that's my guy. So I, I think if he improves his shooting this upcoming season, and uh, just can get up to at least 36% from three, because I think he was at 31% last year, just show a little bit more consistency. I think he'll be a really good pick-and-roll player in the NBA and uh, a good wing player. Yeah, definitely. When I guess, where do you see Franz? Because, again, this is just sort of a draft of us finding three guys that we're going to essentially stand for the rest of the season. So – I guess it probably wouldn't be Franz at three or wherever the Pistons go. Where do you see Franz going, essentially, in the draft next year, if he leaves? Um, I think he's definitely going to leave. So I would say the end of the first round, with the potential to be a late lottery pick, kind of like his brother. Higher than Mo or lower than Mo? Uh, a little yeah, bit higher than Mo. A little higher than Mo, okay. Yeah, I, I think because of his position, he'll be valued a little bit more than Mo. Okay, yeah, I like that. Takes? So, Trevor, I've, I've had this conversation with Sav a few times. Uh, shout out front of the pod. I actually <laughs> think that Franz is overrated just because I think he needs an elite point guard. To, and I think Simpson kind of was that guy for him last year. So hopefully I'm wrong for Michigan's sake, but I just don't see him as like, this guy that creates his own shot. So I think that's something he has to develop. Um, so you're, I definitely can agree with that to an extent because he has, he hasn't looked great against Bowling Green and Oakland so far. He hasn't gotten into double digit points uh, in either of his first two games. So, you know, give him, give him some time. I'm hoping that like with Mike Smith, they can kind of recreate uh, what he had with Xavier, but We'll see. He he could be bad, but I, I'm I'm hoping he's not. Trevor, yeah. I, off what you on, said. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying oh, he's no. someone that needs a – if he's a 3 and D player, great. But I just think he needs to work on his shot-creating ability if he's going to go in the lottery. Yeah, I, I get that. I yeah. think it is interesting, too. Um, Howard – I think Juwan Howard got that question, and uh, they asked – I think it was like, what's – What's going on with Franz? Is he struggling? I think John Howard had a great answer. He just said, it's been two games. I think we sometimes do forget that, I mean, we're putting these kids on the court 30 minutes. It's, it's very possible that maybe you had, a, you had a shitty day or something. Like, there's so many factors going on that maybe you just have a bad game. And us fans on the sidelines are always so easy to um, either criticize or overpraise. So, I, I, I guess we don't know yet within two games. Um, calling Xavier Simpson elite – I'll call that a hot take, honestly. But um, college, college point guard. Point guard. Yeah, college, yeah. Okay, college basketball. There's there's a big difference. I respect that. Um, okay. Who who? Um, just a quick producer note. Uh, who's who is Xavier Simpson? Xavier Simpson, Michigan yeah, point I know guard Jeff last Jackson. year. Yeah, Jackson? Michigan yeah, point guard Jackson. last year was Jeff Jackson. So yeah, I don't was know. that a backup or something? Um, I might have to edit. Yeah. I might have to edit that out. Uh, well, <laughs> n- nonetheless. 
right. I think Franz is just frustrated. He's not in any of the TikToks. Exactly. That's what's got to be. Get some showtime. All right. So, um, sorry for that sidebar, but I'll go with my pick, Evan Mobley from USC. Uh, 6'11 center. His comp is LaMarcus Aldridge. I really like this guy's game. He's I didn't know he had that great of an outside shot, but he's 5 of 11 on the year. He's a big guy, athletic, long, um, and he really has a great – he's a great passer for a big man and fits into that mold of, you know, the positionless basketball. So I really like Evan Mobley uh, here at uh, my second pick. Yeah, I was actually going to probably steal that from you if uh, you didn't take it. So, uh, yeah, I like the pick. I mean – it seems like there's a lower value on big men right now, but if it's an elite big man, you're still crazy for not taking him. So I think it's a good for where you got him. What was that seventh pick or sixth pick? I think it's a pretty good uh, positional play. Let me see. Where are we at now? We are on seventh pick here. Um, I will, I was thinking mobile. I'm going to go with Zaire Williams, small forward out of Stanford. My philosophy here is sort of if, Blake Griffin, and don't listen to Trevor, but Blake Griffin, he's out of here. Um, yeah, he'll be gone. Um, and I think that opens up an unlimited potential of opportunities when it comes to, hypothetically, Zaire Williams, Sekou, and Jeremy Grant. And you know what? Screw it. And Josh Jackson. That's four guys that I think can play between shooting guard, small forward, and power forward. Maybe Sekou plays a really small ball center. But that's three pieces right there that you can basically switch any screen. You can basically match them up with anyone on the court because they're taking their 60% of the players on it. I think that would be hella intriguing in terms of what that could lay out. And Zaire Williams is 6'8", long as hell, um, a good three-point shooter. I, I think will it happen? Gambling odds would probably say no, but I think that would be an extremely cool opportunity to see those three play together. All right, with the last pick in the second round, I'm going to break Michigan fans' hearts and take Josh Christopher out of Arizona State. He's really crafty. His comp is Amon Shumpert, which I think, personally, he'll be better than Amon Shumpert at the end of his career. It's a slap in the face, it feels like. Yeah, a really crafty guy. Watched him a couple days ago in one of the tournaments. Had 29, I think. Just all-around good player. I like oh, that. I'm up. I'm I'm up next again. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, third, I'm gonna take Corey Kisper out of Gonzaga. Uh, he's a senior, and I know taking seniors pretty high is bad. But if they get a late first round pick like they did this year, I definitely look into drafting him. Six eight shooting guard, long can really light it up. And plays for Gonzaga, which is a good team. Good players come out from Gonzaga. So you're going to choose a Gonzaga guy right there. I like that. I'm going to join you in that uh, with my last pick. I'm going to go with Jalen Suggs, uh, freshman point guard. Yeah, I, yeah, there we go. So what I'm thinking here, if we're just, again, hypothetical, and this is my world and everyone's living in it, we're drafting Jalen Suggs point guard, giving him a few weeks to play it out, see if, He's already a corner some player. If not, he's a lot of trade value with whatever pick we take, hypothetically the third probably. And would Killian and Jalen Suggs work together? We don't know. And there's been a few teams that have been able to work the two-point guard situation. But um, if it doesn't work, it's still a heck of a ton draft capital, and someone's going to be willing to spend a lot uh, to trade off for Jalen Suggs. Yeah, he's a great leader, too. And I expect Gonzaga to win a lot of games this year. And you can probably – he's going to be a, one of those guys, the main cogs for Gonzaga this year. Uh, I think – so my next pick, I'm not too confident after watching yesterday's game. Jalen Johnson, uh, <laughs> he didn't look great. He kind of – you know, I was expecting a lot more considering how I might pick Xavier Henry or uh, Aaron Henry after that. <laughs> but uh, Jalen Johnson, again, long, um, very – he's a great high basketball IQ, good passer. He's supposed to have a good jumper. Didn't, again, 
you know, one game sample size doesn't do much, but he looked really good in the first game. Not looked okay for state, but he's another guy that can rebound, defend, and score the basketball. So I like yeah, him. long season too. Yeah. So we're thinking, Trevor. All right. So after much. I've been going between two players, and I think I'm going to go with Keon Johnson. Tennessee hasn't played a game yet, I'm pretty sure. I was just looking yeah. that up. So, with with him, he's he's going to be a, a slashing guard. Um, he's improving his threes uh, and, and his range. So, I think a player like that, another one, would be great with uh, – Killian Hayes and, and the rest of the young core, Sekou, uh, Sadiq Bay, et cetera. Yeah, I like it. And I think that's – everyone's got their guys. Everyone knows who they're rooting on this year. I, I like to say I'm not rooting for Jalen Johnson. Are you going quick sub? Yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm just saying he's a Duke guy. I don't want to say that I'm rooting for him. But if the Pistons were to take him, I would be happy. It would be okay. 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 I wanted an asterisk if we put out a graphic <laughs> just to have that next to it. Support the player at the right time. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. So everyone knows their guys. I'm sure we'll be catching back up on this at some point. Um, let's get into some Pistons here if we're uh, really going to dive into it. So yesterday, uh, training camp started. The team got, that, got out there. Weaver mentioned some of the players, introduced some new players that came in, which felt like the whole team is new. There were some interesting tidbits, um, sound bites from it. Uh, one I'm looking at right now that kind of stuck with me pretty hard was how electric Weaver almost was when he spoke about Jeremy Grant. Uh, he said he was the number one number one guy he wanted to go after, uh, which they got him, even though Nuggets matched the contract, which showed clearly the feeling was mutual. And uh, Weaver said about Grant, this guy is worthy of being an all-defensive player for sure. It, he is – obviously this is his guy and he's – going to hype up his guy like so many other coaches have. It's just – it feels nice hearing the energy he has for the player he went out and got. So I'll start off by saying this. It's like when the Nuggets had – you know, they played against the Clippers and the Lakers, who was guarding LeBron and Kawhi? It was Grant. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the things they also said was Grant wanted a more uh, – more of an offensive role and I think he's going to get it with the Pistons obviously there's not many scoring options but I really I really like this pickup I'm excited for him to be in the Motor City and if we're talking just defense already an upgrade to the team yeah absolutely and like you mentioned it's we got a ton of defensive guys um, in free agency uh, we kind of just found guys that are going to work hard and play defense. And if one of these guys comes through and ends up being a phenomenal offensive player, yeah, is that really a bad thing? It's We're basically banking on guaranteed defense and praying for the potential of one of these guys with offense to come through. Trevor, what are you thinking? So, yeah, I, I said last week I love the Jeremy Grant signing. I think he's a high-potential player. As Take said, he guarded LeBron, Kawhi, and Donovan Mitchell. So hearing him just be excited about coming here, playing for Coach Casey, he knows Troy, Troy knows him, and just being able to go into the offseason and get a player that we prioritized, it feels really good because it feels like the last couple seasons, the Pistons were swinging and missing in situations like this, or they were overpaying players. Um, With Grant, Denver matched the contract, and he must must be coming in, and he's going to be, what do you guys think, the second option behind Blake? Third behind him, Blake and Rose maybe? So I'm excited to see it happen. Yeah, and it's – it's exciting, uh, we've already mentioned, just knowing that there's new hope coming in. It's not some 34-year-old with two years left on his contract that's already hit his ceiling four years ago. These are players that can continue growing. And clearly Weaver, who was brought in because he was a scouting genius, 
is aware of something that maybe the rest of the league isn't. And maybe the Nuggets are aware of it. I mean, they tried matching the contract. At that point, they did all they could, and Jeremy Grant was the one who decided, you know what, this is the best option for him. So I, it's a huge win. Yeah, and Grant's also only 26, I believe. So it's not like he's, like you said, washed. Yeah. He still has tons of potential. The ceiling, I think, is still there. And he shot almost 40% from three. So he's a three and D guy. I'm big into that. I really, you know, I think he's someone that's won a lot of games too in Denver and him and Blake can kind of show the younger guys. Well, maybe not Blake because he hasn't had that much success in the playoffs, but it's just, you know, another guy that can teach these younger guys how to play the game. Well, you know, you know who I think really benefits is Sadiq Bey because I think Jeremy Grant would be his mold. Like if you're, when you draft Sadiq Bay, you're like, I hope he turns into a player like Jeremy Grant. So I think that'll be good for him. Well, I think Bay's probably going to be a, hopefully a better shooter, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it is nice though. I saw it. Um, I, I can't remember what the number was, but basically the premise of the statistic was Jeremy Grant, when he wants to, can get to the free throw line at will. And you mentioned three and D, which is, it, I mean, that's a pretty good uh, statement to make about Jeremy Grant, but I, I think we almost don't realize how much he's improving as a slasher and how much he, how close he really is to be having that full offensive game. So it, it feels like he's a lot closer to an NBA all-star than we think. It's just when you're the fourth option on a Western Conference Finals contender team, that may not be as obvious. I think the money that they gave him Weaver wants him to be the number two guy. And I think the reason he took the Pistons instead of the Nuggets is that he wants to be a leader and he wants to step up and prove himself. Yeah, I think he's ready to finally move into that position. Um, I was reading another quote he said. He spoke after uh, Weaver did. And he was saying this definitely wasn't an easy decision, but um, I, it feels like the right decision. And uh, Weaver was talking about how, how much trust there was between him and Weaver. They had a previous relationship. Um, he was saying how trust was a huge factor of this because of COVID and um, all the other restrictions going on. He said he knew what he was getting out of Weaver and uh, Weaver vice versa. So that was a, played a big factor, which transitioning off that, Blake Griffin yesterday really spoke highly of the management and how much faith he had in them and how much trust. He was essentially saying, we speak all the time. Uh, if I get traded, no big deal. It is what it is. It's part of the business. But um, I love what our management's doing right now. And I'm fully committed until I'm not here, which maybe it's just a professional answer from a seasoned vet like Blake. But it, it felt nice hearing that. It, it did. And to me, it sounded like he was, he was told by the front office that we want, we want you to be healthy so we can move you next year. Just come in play along, help these young guys out for a season. And then next year when your deal's expiring, we can look at moving you. And then he doesn't have to be here and stuck losing um, for the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been – Blake has never been an issue. When Blake leaves, I think this fan base is definitely going to hold him in high regards just because, I mean, we sucked for the last decade – Pick a sport. It really doesn't matter. Um, so it's not It's not really – I mean, they're making millions, so I, I get it. Like, I don't really have much sympathy. But it's not easy playing Detroit, especially when there's no success. And Blake went from L.A. to Detroit, and he made do with what he had. And he's never complained, always been appreciative, always put the work in, even through injuries. Three times the man Andre Drummond is. When, whenever he goes, whenever that is – uh, I think this city's going to hold them under high regards. I, just to go back on the grand thing, we talk about the contract. You have to, and we talk about Detroit sucking. It's not a destination city by any means. That's why you have to pay these guys that much. Mm -hmm. Like you have to pay a little bit extra to motivate Grant to come to Detroit. You're not going to get him for a bargain price. He's not going to come here for the weather, et cetera. You know, you have to pony up to get those guys. And, if people want to make these comments about, oh, you know, we're overpaying for this guy based on his skill set, well, you're Detroit. You're going to have to overpay to get these free agents, right? 
I just wanted to throw that in there. And again, Blake Griffin, uh, great dude. I think he's always said the right thing, stand-up guy. And when he's been healthy, he's really been a strong contributor. I went to a game and he dropped 50 on Philly and he clearly was the best player on the court that night. And that included, you know, Simmons and Embiid. So he still got the juice. So I think whether he stays or he's a trade at uh, piece, you know, I think teams are going to want that guy on their team. Yeah. I just I love wanna, what you said sorry. Sorry, HD. I want to throw in a couple, a couple things. Um, one takes anyone who has ever said Detroit isn't a destination has obviously never spent a night <laughs> at the old shillelagh. <laughs> oh God. And regarding Blake, he was put in an incredibly tough position. He re-signed with the team who pulled out all the stops to say they wanted to keep him. They put his jersey up in the rafters. They said, you're going to retire here. We're going to retire your number. You're, You're a clipper for life. And not even 10 months later, he was packing his bags. And for a lot of players, he would, they would not want to contribute to making that the organization they've been traded to a success. Like, there's no doubt Blake's been dealt a shitty hand. Yeah. Since he's been here, Detroit's made the playoffs once, and they've gotten the pleasure of getting their shit pushed in by Giannis and the Bucks. And not to mention, he came back early. He played, like, I think 81 games that season, willed the team to the playoffs. And then he played on a knee that he probably shouldn't have, and it affected him last season. And that's the reason why we're in the situation now with him coming back from an injury. He he put the team on his back. Off that, I will say as well, um, that was – he came back, missed the first three games of that playoffs against the Bucs, got our absolute dumpies kicked in by the Bucs all three games. And Blake comes back, home game. I had a chance to go to it. I was the there too. Res- the, the amount of respect that Detroit had for Blake for simply going out there. We were down 20 most of the game, and he was fighting his ass off. And everyone, was, uh, there was a chant for MVP for Blake. It's just he has put the work in. He said the right things. Uh, this city definitely has shown him love, and he deserves it all. And it's pretty obvious that Blake has – a lot of NBA players now have ambitions outside of basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, Blake, obviously, his post-career plans are content. You know, whether that's stand-up or, or podcast or whatever. But he's never once made him being in Detroit like a disadvantage. He's always seen the best of it, you know. He's kind of... And that's why Detroit responds to Blake so so warmly is that, you know, he, the guy just works hard. You know, the national media pundits would say some bullshit about Detroit being a blue-collar city or whatever, even mm-hmm. though, like, half the people who live there now, like, work at Quicken and are <laughs> underwriters or whatever, but... <laughs> Trevor? <laughs> no, I don't work at Quicken. That's not me. I think in a way... Blake going to Detroit, he found that refreshing that he doesn't have to be under the bright lights every night in L.A. and there's not as much pressure. But also at the same time, he doesn't have to deal with shitheads like Chris Paul and other just media in L.A. And I think that's why he he likes it and he hasn't really – he's just put up with the shit here. And yeah. not really spoken out as much. Yeah, he's also getting paid a lot of money. Yeah, well, yeah. Was, <laughs> kind of nailed it on the head though when you mentioned um, while it's not a party city, this isn't Miami, but it almost feels like if you were in their shoes, if I heard I was going from L.A. to Detroit, obviously at first I'd probably cry, but after that it would almost feel like a mindset of listen, I'm an alpha, this I'm an athlete, I've gotten to this point in my life. I can ditch all the partying, all the outside stuff. How about I just go to Detroit and grind? Like, what else is there to really do in Detroit, at least from their point of view? I might as well go there and just work on my craft and get better. I feel like that has to be an attitude when you come to a city like Detroit. You know, oh, traded. Like, and left all your friends. I'd pitch a tennis. Be a static. <laughs> yeah. 
Are you kidding me? That's LA. a callback from a previous uh, discussion on Twitter. I would take a vet's minimum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through a few of these as well. There was um, there was something else. James Edwards. Anyone Luke. listening? Great, a great follow. Um, he was talking a little bit about Dwayne or Dwayne Casey was talking a little bit about Derek Rose and Killian Hayes, kind of weaving through in the conversation. I don't. I. I think it was Glizzy. Someone said Rose starts the season. It feels like it might be Killian starting game one. Takes? What are your thoughts? I think Killian Hayes is going to start. I think I read somewhere that they're going to cap Derrick Rose's minutes at like 28 or so and keep him keep him in a similar role. I mean, they want Killian Hayes to succeed. Um, I wasn't on the pod last last week, but – Killian Hayes was my number one guy for the draft. I thought he was the best player in the draft. I was really excited when they drafted him. Uh, I think he's going to be awesome player. I watched this kind of mini documentary on YouTube about him on, with overtime, and it kind of shows how he wants to be successful. And I'm really excited to watch him. I think that, you know, he's 19 years old. He's super young, and I think they just need to – give him the pieces around and he'll be successful. I think he will start the season uh, as the point guard. It is nice too, because it's almost sort of a stigma, I guess, with American players. I feel like when I'm getting a international player, honestly, pick your country, an international player, I feel like they're just coming in much more humble than an American player. Maybe someone that went to college. And again, of course, this is a generalization, but I feel like it's players that didn't get the excessive hype that these college basketball players got, maybe in high school when they were the man, or even at their college, they don't have their Instagram that they prioritize. It feels like even if they're not huge divas, there is a diva factor with American college-made players that more often than not, the international players don't bring along. Trevor, any, any thoughts on that? Any agreeing? Am I stupid? Am I right? Um, I don't – I don't have an opinion either way on like, I think no matter what, I don't think like a player just because they're foreign makes them more humble because you can be cocky and be foreign too. I get where you're coming from though, to an extent, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think college players are anymore. Maybe I just think Luca first. I think that's the poster child. Maybe he is cocky. We don't know. I think it's yeah. less humility and more, uh, sorry to cut you off, Trevor. I think it's less humility and more maturity. This was a big talking point when Luca was coming out. You know, he was playing with like fully grown men when he was like 16. So a hard foul from like a 32-year-old chain smoker in a, in a government-owned gymnasium in a former Soviet bloc country is really going to like wake your ass up to the realities of life in basketball. So I think that's more of it than the any kind of humility that players get from playing overseas. Like when you're when you're around people your own age, you don't mature. You kind of you kind of stay. You kind of have this stasis about you. And you know these these guys who go over to Europe or China or to play basketball, they're they're playing against grown ass men at a at a young age. And that really kind of speeds up the, that really speeds up your process, like your mental development, not just your basketball development. No, yeah, I agree. Cause Hayes has been playing pro basketball since he was 16 years old. You know, See, that's what I like. Hayes was playing basketball at 16. That goofball Lamello was playing Fortnite. I know who I want. I want the real player. I don't want Lamello. Six, three <laughs> kill streaks, dude. I play with a double, double. No, I, yeah, I guess. Well, if we're talking, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a comeback for that, but yeah. I don't know, last week, I was the one that said, I, I see Blake, or not Blake Rose, Derek Rose starting. I just, I don't see the point of forcing Killian in these situations while you still have D Rose on the roster. I, I personally would love to see um, Killian be our like, seventh man. And just okay. go out with the second unit. Maybe Mason Plumley is his center if Plumley isn't starting. And just getting him experience in like a pick and roll situation like that, um, where he can just get comfortable, get to the basket, 
and you you know maybe not go against uh, starters right away. Yeah, no, it sounds like it, maybe it's just uh, your preference. Maybe you're even okay if he starts. It sounds like Casey and Weaver are almost looking at it like let's let's throw this kid to the fire. Shit might be rough sometimes, like it was for Seku. I think uh, Casey said yesterday the reason he's so excited for Seku right now is because he had a phenomenal summer. And he said he had a lot of ups and downs his first year. I'm okay with the ups and downs. It's, again, last year, Seku was 18. It's hard to put huge expectations on a teenager. And Killian's 19. If, if there's games where he has six, seven turnovers, I'm fine with it. He, he's learning. We're, we know that he has the mental makeup, that he's going to adjust, and he's going to get better from these mistakes. If, if they want to throw him out there, I'd say so be it. Make it so it's more entertaining for us to watch. Glizzy, thoughts? Um, yeah. I also said that Derrick Rose was going to start the first game of the season. They, their preseason games, their first four, they have two against the Knicks and two against the Wizards. I think you play Killian as many minutes as you can. Just get him out there, get the feel of things, all that. But we also don't know how Killian learns stuff, so maybe he learns – by just watching maybe he learns better actually playing so i think it all depends on that but either way i'd be fine so glizzy if i ask you this he models his game after james harden because he's left-handed what would you say about his preparation i mean i don't know i don't watch his preparation (laughs) he uses his left hand a lot which i think he needs to work on using his right he is left-handed though yeah, but all the player evaluations said he uses left hand way too much. The answer takes was looking for was spending all night in a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's also uh, it's confidence. Yeah. I mean, his player comps D'Angelo Russell and Manu Ginobili. Like, what, what more – can you get more excited than that? that honestly, I saw Dragic. Really? I saw taller yeah. Dragic as well. Again, I got the um, Kevin O'Connor has shades of D'Angelo Russell and Mano Ginobili. The thing too is you're getting a player that is like those guys. Sometimes I hear comparisons, and I'm kind of like like um, Josh Christopher's was a Mon Shumpert. You hear that, and you kind of get bummed out because you're like, oh my gosh, a Mon Shumpert, that goofball. Yeah, like you're getting a comparison to them. So they don't have the same mental makeup. They don't have the same work effort. It's there's a lot of factors that aren't into play. That's just the build they see. So. I mean, yeah, those are definitely um, things I would not complain with. Manu, um, uh, D'Angelo Russell, no, no complaints on mine. So, Takes, wow. last week we kind of talked about the draft pick ceilings. And for Killian Hayes, I said I see him being a multi-time all-star and that being <laughs> his ceiling and him essentially being – I my player comp was Spencer Dinwiddie, but – since you you like Killian Hayes, what do you see as a ceiling, and what do you expect? Like, what's a realistic expectation? Oh, I I so that's a little tough. Um, I do Multiple think he's finals a, MVPs. <laughs> if he doesn't win MVP his first year, I'm gonna be sad. No, I I, uh, I, I uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. That's I don't know. That's a. I'll have to think about a player comparison. Takes it's bumming you out right now. I can see in your eyes. Kind of <laughs> bums me out too. I want more yeah. than Dinwiddie. Because he's. We also had. It wasn't Dinwiddie on the Pistons too, and didn't do anything. Yeah, I'm Stan, wrong. He was Stan, yeah. Stan Van Gundy's first and only pick in his first draft. He took him in the second round out of Colorado, I think. And then we traded oh, that's him, our and then scouting, he was, baby. We got it. We didn't I mean, use him. We got it. That, that, I'm actually disappointed in the player count, to be honest, because oh. I'm expect. And it's no offense to Spencer because he's um, a good player. He's a good player, but when you pick a guy at seven, you don't want him to be a backup point guard to Kyrie Irving. Like, you know what I mean? As a player comparison, I guess I'm thinking of that player, like the that version of Spencer Dinwiddie. He's a good player, but I expect Killian Hayes to be, you know. Uh, I, I want I keep going to D'Angelo Russell just because they're left-handed. Mm-hmm. That's probably not the best, but I expect him to be a multi-time All-Star. 
I don't think he's going to be the scorer D'Angelo is, but he's get, he's an underrated, I think, defensive player, and I expect him to be a really great player for the Pistons when he was young. Um, yeah. But that's just, you know, I might be biased, but I thought, like I said, I thought he was the best player in the draft. Oh, yeah. I mean, has he hey podcast, we're all biased here. We love it. Um, one thing I did see that I don't know if it was Weaver's mindset when he came in. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because, again, bias podcast. Dwayne Casey was um, asked about um, the team basically in general. He said the great thing with our team is that there's competition for time. I didn't think about that at all when this whole thing happened, when we overloaded the whole team. We have probably 10 guys coming in right now that have been given no guarantees about starting time, have been given no guarantees about a position they're playing. And you take last year's team, there's a pretty set in stone lineup of who's coming out, and that definitely comes into factor in practice. We're going to start training camp with 10 guys who have no idea if they're coming off the bench or that. That feels like a very large incentive to put the extra work in. Who's So let me ask you this. You think, uh, you think Hayes is starting yeah. this year? Okay. So who's the rest of the starting lineup then? Ooh, okay. We got that last week, but I can probably do it again this week. Um, Killian, um, I'm gonna go. Pistons have had like twelve uh, roster things, so I don't even know if they're it's the same yeah. team as last week. Who even knows at this point? Killian, um, I'm gonna go. Speed, uh, three. I'll go. Jeremy Grant, and then four. Blake, five. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go. Julia look for. Really? You think he's starting he's over Plumley? Yeah. I think the start of the season is going to be a lot different to the to the end of the season because I said Derrick Rose starts first game of the season, but last game of the season, Killian definitely starting by then. You're going to stick with Rose starting game one though. I still think he starts game one. Okay. Yeah, but also it's it's not so much. I mean, Lou Williams doesn't start, but he plays like thirty minutes. You know what I mean? So I don't think so. Even if Killian Hayes were to start game one that doesn't mean he's going to close game one so that's why I think it's going to be Rose is going to come in for the more meaningful minutes at the start of the year but I do think Killian Hayes is going to start yeah I also think Bay is going to eventually be in the starting lineup Ooh, okay I really really like that pick okay so sorry I keep cutting you off Trevor (laughs) No, it's okay. So, do you guys see a situation in which, like, Hayes and Rose are on the court at the same time? Like, maybe they just start and we have Rose off ball? No. I, I just – I don't – maybe it happens. I mean, what the hell do I know? But at the moment, no. It just – it doesn't compute in my head. You think Sky gets all the off-guard uh, minutes then? I, I can see a situation where Rose plays off the ball a little bit. I mean, who is our two? It's I have, think it's Wayne Ellington. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. My is probably actually going to start, to be honest. Yeah. That because my starting lineup now, all things considered, would be Rose, Ellington, uh, Grant, uh, Blake, and Plumley. So it's a lot better than mine. First <laughs> <laughs> hot take, baby. Uh, Glizzy, what about you? Yeah. Like I said beginning of the season is going to look a lot different than the end of the season. I think Siku and Killian both start by the end of the season. And I think we might see Isaiah Stewart maybe get a few starts in and around there. Um, Just see what he's got going on because we have a ton of centers. I think every single center will probably start this season. But I'd say for now – Rose, Fee, Grant, Blake, Plumley. Okay. Okay. I like that. And again, we already mentioned it. And what does starter really mean when you're a developer, when you're rebuilding? I yeah. don't care if uh, Killian starts and gets 15 minutes or if he's a backup and he gets 30. It, I mean, again, it's, we trust the staff. This is a new staff. And if there's any time to trust him, it's right away. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, oh, while we're talking so, about so. While, while we're talking about the roster, did you guys see the Julio Okafor video yesterday that was on Twitter? Yeah. Why do you think I just yeah. got that, that starting got that starting spot in my head? So, so I'm uh, actually really does, excited. 
Sorry, Trevor. I was just going to ask you, how many games does LiAngelo Ball start for the Pistons? Oh, zero. I don't think he'll ever wear a Pistons uniform. He'll be on the Grand Rapids Drive or whatever. If they play. I I wanted to say this while you guys were talking about Derrick Rose. Takes brought up that Weaver is going to have Rose on a minutes cap, and I honestly think that's asset protection. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, Rose's contract is is going to be catnip to contenders come deadline time. You know he's a he's an experienced vet who can get who can still get a little bit of run in some clutch minutes. His contract is extremely cheap, and I wouldn't be surprised if Weaver is kind of holding Rose back to see if a team like Milwaukee or the Lakers or Utah kind of makes a move for him to kind of shore up their depth before the playoffs. I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that before we end it here. I think um, takes one takes mentioned as well. Sparring, but I kind of nailed on the head. Um, I thought the exact same thing about the uh, minutes restriction. I hadn't heard about it, but the second he mentioned it, I thought that's definitely um, in the interests of finding a way to get him off the books at some point in the year. He's going to get moved just because we don't need him. And I mean, he's a workout freak. He's still going. Apparently, he looks great right now. If we put him on a minutes restriction, he's going to still be able to do enough for us. I think we get a first round whenever that time comes. Trevor? Yeah, I agree 100%. And another team that would be interesting for his services would be uh, Dallas. I think that would be a good spot. And then another another team I could see maybe because their point guard just got injured would be Boston. They just got a huge trade exception, and Kemba Walker's out until early January. He's been injured for the last year, and they need – I think they signed Jeff Teague, though. Um, but still, yeah. I think those two teams might make a little bit of sense. I don't know about L.A. anymore. I don't, I don't know if the Lakers um, would, would make that move right now. I mean, the Lakers, whatever the NBA equivalent to debt is, that's what the Lakers are. They have, like, zero assets left after after the AD trade and getting some of the other veteran pieces around. They won a championship, so, like, you can't – if you're a Lakers fan, like, how can you be pissed off at that? But – you know, for another team, like, I think his most likely landing spot is probably going to be Milwaukee because they're they're pretty much guaranteed to lose Giannis, Giannis at the end of the season. They're desperate. Uh, they're desperate. They're, they're making moves like a team who needs to get a ring before their superstar leaves to go, to go do coke off hookers' asses in Miami. Uh, it's it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how the playoff picture shapes up around deadline time and what the Lakers decide to do with Rose. But if Weaver's serious about this minutes restriction for him, then it's pretty obvious that, that he's going to be on the move. Well, and Dennis Schroeder just went to the, the Lakers too. So. And, I, and they signed Wes Matthews. Like they, they have a log jam. I feel like a guard now, especially bringing back my boy KCP. Um, <laughs> the whole, they're they're guard heavy, and then Milwaukee just got Drew Holiday, and everything I've seen from writers, I think that Giannis is going to end up signing that supermax in Milwaukee, and if he doesn't like it there, he'll just tell him to trade him. He'll say, "Look, I want out," and then he'll get moved. He'll still keep his money. Um, I think it would be dumb if he doesn't sign that contract there. Damn. Parting note: uh, I remember still. I think it was probably two years back when KCP was just straight sucking on the Lakers and there's trade deadline time and LeBron was asked about um, people being moved. And I remember still like vividly LeBron basically went, listen, that's part of the game. And if KCP um, had put the numbers and performance he's expected to, he wouldn't be on the block, but uh, these guys know what it is. And um, it's part of the process. He just threw KCP under the bus and now he's back. So KCP was also in and out of jail for like a DUI charge that season too. I'm pretty sure. But are are we going to get to our potential breakout players before we go? Um, good question. Want to save it for next week, or I'm trying to think when season starts. Twenty second. 
We could do next week, I guess. I got one. I got one real quick. Me too. Screw I it, did yeah. research. Oh, oh. <laughs> what do we got? Um. So I, I'll go first, and then then takes and Glizzy or whatever you guys order. You guys want to go on? Um. So my most intriguing team for this upcoming season is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they have a player at center, DeAndre Ayton, who they took instead of Luka Doncic. And there could there, there's definitely some buyers and more there because Luka looks like a future NBA all-first team. Um, but I looked up some of Ayton's stats, and I didn't even realize this, how good he – well, how good – I forgot how good the Suns were in the bubble when they went 8-0. DeAndre Ayton developed a three-point shot. He shot 30% in the bubble from three, up from 0%. I don't, I couldn't figure out how many he took last year. He's going to be the third option behind Booker and Paul. Him and Paul are going to be a great pick-and-roll combo. And then he's also his, – his defense uh, is – he's going to be probably a top-10 rim defender. So I think DeAndre Ayton is going to really step up all NBA third team next season. Remember, they position. did that too in the bubble without Oubre, which obviously they sent yeah. him off. But without Oubre, their best wing player, they still went 8-0. Uh, Takes, what do you think? Great pick. Uh, when Not going to lie, when Trevor said that he was going first, I got worried that he was going to take my guy. And I think this was pretty obvious, but Michael Porter Jr., with Grant leaving, you know, lots of minutes open up for him. He showed in the bubble. At one point, he was dropping 30 points a game. You know, 6'10", big frame, can really score the basketball. And he was an absolute steal when they got him so late. I can't – I think they got him mid-lottery. Was it 14 or 15? It was like 14 or 13 because they had the back thing. Yeah. So, big, big steal. And I just think he's going to show out next year. Thank you, Trevor, for not picking him. Oh, you're – you're welcome. No problem. I, I just – I love the Suns this coming season. I don't know. I think they're going to be fun with Chris Paul. So. Well, fine. I mean, Chris Paul doesn't really – I mean, he struggled to win places, though. Like, he's had some impressive teammates in the past, and he's, what, been to the conference finals once. I feel like at this point, though, Chris Paul is just a culture developer on these teams. I feel like people bump him around. He gets paid the big bucks because he comes in. He's demanding as hell, which Blake was quoted saying. But, I mean, when your team's full of a bunch of limp dicks, like, is it really that bad of a scenario to have a guy that comes in with some structure and knows what it takes to be a great NBA player? I mean, was it Thunder this year? He looked great on the Thunder. Thunder was a bunch of losers, and he came in and said, listen, this team's not as bad as you all seem to think we are. Let's get the right culture in here. And it worked. And the Thunder are playing chess while we're all playing Yahtzee, but that's unrelated. Um, but I, I think Chris Paul can bring the right culture. I just don't know if I'd actually call him a huge winner. So I, when I say I'm really intrigued by them, I don't think they're going to be some like some beaters in the West. I I just see them breaking their playoff uh, streak, and I see them being like a six seed, seven seed, eight seed, in or, like in that in that range, and just being just building off uh, that momentum they they created in the bubble by going eight now. And then maybe they'll keep Devin Booker this way too. So it's just a really interesting team to see how things progress. What are you thinking, me or you, Glizzy? All right, I'll go. Um, so my player is Yusuf Nurkic for the Trailblazers. He came into the bubble. He had an injury, and then he came into the bubble, and he was pretty good. I never really watched him before, and he can light it up. Uh, he's got three game. He can go inside. He struggled in the playoffs against the Lakers, obviously, because he had to guard AD, and they had Zach Collins hurt. But I think with Zach Collins back, and I re- I really like Portland. I think he's going to be an all star. Okay, I like that too. It's a pretty good pick. He's pretty young too. I think it was a second round pick. Well, I'm going to go with. Um, I'll put mine, just I'll throw it out there. I'm going to go next year breakout player, 
this isn't my focus focus point, but I'm gonna go Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, next question. My breakout, I'm thinking next year is Mavs. No inj- injuries aside, if they stay healthy, a top three seed in the West. Oh, so you're going a whole team. I mean, I'm going a whole yeah. Team. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You saw what Luka looked like in the bubble. He was a completely different animal. You saw what they did against the Clippers, which we could have a whole podcast on the, the Los Angeles Clippers. Fuck the Clippers. But they, they re-signed Reggie Jackson. They're not doing anything. Yeah. I, so, I definitely – I like that. I, I see them being the three seed. I, they're going to put up a fight with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Chris Dobbs is ready. They have some pretty good wing defenders. They have a ton of money if they need to pick up a guy. Trey Burke showed out last year. Tim Hardaway had some good three-pointers in the bubble. And Luca's just best player in the league. Don't have me. And they just traded for uh, – what's his name? From Philadelphia, the shooting guard. Damn. That's a stroke. Um, Hold on. Shooting. Richardson? I can't think of – yeah, Josh, Josh Richardson. Richardson. There we go. They just traded for Josh Richardson, solid player. So that's that's going to be a fun team to watch. And their head coach, Rick Carlisle, has the potential to take the MSU job next year if he wanted it. <laughs> MSU administration would just get rid of Tom immediately <laughs> and get yeah get Rick Carlisle. So. Izzo will pack his bags if Carlisle says so. He'll finally take the Cavs job and. With all the slugs in England and <laughs> get those slugs off the team. So many references there. Yeah, no. Oh, that was no. built right there. You see that? This is a cultured podcast as well. We're a, a Jalen Green stand podcast or a, a Mavs stand podcast and a little culture. A little everything. So you uh, think one, my, the... my bonus uh, breakout guy is going to be Shea. Just without Chris Paul, I think he's going to. Yeah. I love Shea, Douglas uh, Alexander. Just to blow up too. That trade looks so bad every day for the Clippers now too. Like trading Paul George, dude. There's like uh, or trading for Paul George, like trashing the Clippers. Like everyone is ripping the Clippers. Present players, past players. It, oh my god, dude! That place is a dumpster fire mixed with Chernobyl. Well, you and Harold see going to the Lakers too. Yeah, Harold. Harold went to their biggest rival, which is insane to me. That guy, to me, was the heart and soul of the team. You just said not on the goat. <laughs> yes. And I think that's a nice way. LeBron, the goat, I think it's a nice way to end it off right there. Uh, boys, thanks for coming on. Like usual, we'll be back next week. Glizzy, Takes, uh, Trevor, Spartan Dog, uh, it's your boy Hot Take Empire, and we're logging off. When the game is on, I like slam dunk to take me to the hoop. Yeah. My favorite play is the alley oop. Uh-huh. I like to pick and roll. Uh-huh. I like to give and go. And it's basketball. Bow wow, let's, let's go. Telling what I'm gonna do with it. When okay. I got position, I'ma have to fool with Go it. Ahead. I might cross you up and fake one way. Turn around and hit you with the MJ fade away. I'm throwing down passes like J Kid, taking uh-huh. cats to the rack and uh-huh. I'm dunking on them like C Mac. When I'm at the plane, I play with that Bronzo uh-huh. style. I'm like Darius, cause I can Don't too many players get offers like me. Uh-huh. Back and forth, I likely shake the checks uh-huh. off your Nikes. Okay. They almost had me in a suit at the drive, cause it looked like a free throw when I be shooting from half. The first step, like Iverson, blow past you. Usually nothing but net, but I could go blast too. When I'm in the paint, the defense so shook, they don't know if I'ma put up a slow hook or dish off a no look. Yeah. To drive the lane would be dumb, no, cause I sent it back at you, then give you the finger like a tumbo. Shorty, over the summer, you might have boosted an inch, but as long as Fabulous is playing, get used to the bench. And see, my game consists of a whole lot of moves you would think I learned from the Harlem Globetrotters. JD gon' lead us to a ring. Fab and Bow Wow's the only players that make cheerleaders wanna sing. Where are you?
off the night MJ scored 63 points when the Lakers won titles back to back didn't give nobody no kind of slack when Vince Carter came stuck his arm in the rim everybody went crazy in the whole damn gym to Kimbe Matumbo standing tall playing D with desire it's basketball sing 